Thank you. Thank you, Gavin. It's, uh, it's so nice to be here with, uh, with the sun kind of shining in uh, our face, or maybe my face, just my face. I just felt like summer again. There was a little tinker of hope was just propping up. It's coming. So good morning. How are you guys? You guys doing well? Everyone's coming back. Everyone's still enjoying the tea, even though we try to get everybody back. Everyone's still sitting there. Um, anyway, good morning to, uh, to all. If you guys have an idea of what we're going to do with the light and the sunshine coming in like this to block it off, let me know. Uh, <laughs> that, that option came and went very quickly, just so you know. So this morning we are resuming our series on Colossians. If you brought a Bible, uh, turn it to Colossians chapter 1. If you did not, you have an Apple uh, Bible app somewhere, turn that to Colossians chapter 1. Uh, I do love having an actual Bible. There is something to, uh, to being able to, to, to hold it, to touch it, you know, to flip through the pages and, and see the things that God has for us and kind of write it down. It just seems nice and there's an there's a old-fashionedness to it that I enjoy. However, I must admit, I use my Bible app much more frequently because it's a lot more convenient. Uh, it's easier in, because it's always with me. Uh, it's easier to highlight verses, and actually what I really enjoy it for is, uh, beside the convenience, is the um, ability to flip through different translations. And that has really helped me to have a better understanding and better of the translate uh, of, of what God is trying to say. So anyway, just go to Colossians briefly again on Colossians. Paul was the author. He was writing to the people in Col Colossae. Uh, the letter was written in roughly 60 AD, so roughly 30 years after Jesus died on the cross. Paul has never been to Colossae. I know this is just really review for you guys, but just in case for those who, who've been missing for the last few weeks. Uh, he's never been to Colossae, but he has heard about their faith in Jesus and their love for all of God's people. And he was writing to encourage them to remain steadfast in their faith and just don't let religious people uh, put additional laws or burdens or expectations uh, onto the message of the gospel. And that true message of the gospel, again, the gospel means the good news. The true message of good news is that we have salvation through faith on Jesus. Faith on Jesus' death on the cross. Faith in Jesus alone is what brings reconciliation to our Heavenly Father. So Paul was writing to encourage them and remind them that again. So we started on Colossians last month, so if you were not here, uh, and if you want to catch up, we have the recorded sermons on our website, and also we have a podcast on iTunes if that's easier for you. We will pick up from Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 through 23 this morning. If you haven't found Colossians by now, don't be embarrassed to ask someone sitting next to you. You probably will never find it. Uh, let's read through the verses that we will cover this morning. Uh, I think I have the slides up there. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed 
to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. I want to make a comment, which I've always said in the past, is that we, we want to take our time to go through each verse, especially in this book, the book of Colossians. There's so much in this book that um, as we slowly go through this book and, and go through each verse, it emphasizes the, and reminds us again of the greatness and the magnificence of, of Jesus, the God whom we sing to, the God whom we worship. And then, it talks more, and then we will learn more about the amazing God who is in us, in each of us, that we've been made alive, to be reminded that we've been made alive by the creator, the uncreated creator who is before all things, and he holds all things in his hands. And as we know who he is, we know that we have everything that we ever want or need in Jesus, and also through Jesus. We don't have to submit to any rules or regulations. We have freedom, freedom in Jesus, and not have to live according to other people's expectations or what people think that we should be, uh, should dress like, should look like, should act like. Just be free in Jesus and who he is and find our freedom in him. And also it gives us instruction on how to live uh, further on as we go through Colossians, how to live as people, as husbands, as wives, as, as children, as fathers and mothers and what have you. So if we, uh, in, in, in all honesty, if we just read Colossians just like any other fiction or nonfiction book, we can most likely get through this book in 30 minutes or maybe even faster. However, we want to make sure for us, all of, when I say us, I mean us as a church, to slowly go through each verse, probably even each word to speak to us, right? It's a reminder because it is God-breathed, meaning there's a life of God in each, not verse, but each word that we read. Therefore, we want to make sure we meditate on each word and allow the life of God to speak to us allowed to strengthen us, to lead us, to direct us, to guide us, envision us, and also to, to establish or maybe reestablish a foundation for us to stand on to, to, and then allow the word to direct us. And probably most importantly, as we meditate on each word, allow God to be dwelt in us and have more of who he is in us. Jesus is in us, the hope of glory. Vanessa is going to share on that next week, and she's going to close out chapter one. And it's, I actually was a little bit jealous. I wanted to, to share on that verse, but, but Vanessa is going to get the glory of preaching on that next week. Uh, so I trust that all of us will read through this book together as I believe God wants to take us. And that's the reason I want God, I believe that God wants to take us as a church through Colossians in order to know more of who he is and more of what we have in him so we can fully understand why God has given us the vision of to glorify Jesus everywhere, which I know you know that. Anyway, so let's look through the verses. Um, I think I've said that twice, but now this time for real. In order to fully understand uh, verse 21 and appreciate these verses, we need to keep in mind of what Paul was writing before verses 21. Right? So, from, uh, so, so we need to look back on verse 15 and 20. Paul spoke to the greatness of Jesus as creator in verses 15 to 17. And he then went on to proclaim the greatness of Jesus as a redeemer to the church, his body, from verse 18 through uh, 20. So now Paul is moving on to the greatness of Jesus in the lives of the, the followers of Jesus Christ in Colossae. But also it applies to us also because we are followers of Jesus 
in Chicago, but it also applies to us. So he's moving on to the greatness of Jesus in our lives. So at verse 21, uh, as I say, he's moving from the greatness of Jesus in who he is to the greatness of what he has done for each of us as individual follower of Christ. So uh, I like to think of it as an illustration of uh, Paul is drawing a map for us. As in, when you're at a shopping mall, I know some of you love to go to the shopping mall, some not so much. But just think of like a shop. I know we all have been to a shopping mall, right? And some of us, you're like me, you will get lost and you have no idea where you are. So Jesus, uh, so what Paul is drawing a map is Jesus as a creator is the outline of the, of the map, so to speak. And in terms of the boundaries of, of, of what he has done, what he has created, and the, all the different shops. And now Jesus, as our redeemer, is now putting us onto that map. So Paul has drawn the map about Jesus, who he is. Now he's putting that little star or the little dot onto the map to say, you are here. So this is where we fit into this map. We are here because of Jesus. We were not on the map, but we are now on the map because of Jesus, the one who has rescued us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light, right? Into the kingdom of the son that he loves. So the map, just think of the map as like the kingdom of God. We were once outside of the map, but now through Jesus, we are inside the map because Jesus had died on the cross and he reconciled us. So, so that's why Paul went on to say, we were once, we were enemies of God. So that means once we were in the dominion of darkness, I think God was our enemy and we were his enemy. Actually, if we really think about that, that's very intimidating. We were his enemies, the creator of all things. We were his enemies. So he probably could have crushed us very easily. We, all of us, were his enemies, all of us. And I think sometimes we don't really step back and think about it too much, but we were all his enemies. It doesn't matter if we were nice or we were a jerk or, or if we were kind or if we were mean or if we were generous or frugal or what have you. Good looking, don't good look, not good looking, wealthy or poor. You understand what I'm trying to say. All of us were God's enemies because we have talked about this, that, that it's, it's, we were born in this place. Um, every single one of us, people who has ever lived, currently living right now, and then people who will ever live. So, we were once, we were his enemies, but because of Jesus, we have been reconciled. We have been reconciled, so that's what I was trying to say. Paul was drawing this map, the kingdom of God. We were not on this map, but now he's getting to it. We were in the dominion of darkness, but God has rescued us, so now we are on this map. Um, so they speak to, they speak to, um, so what I'm trying to say. So now we were in this map, right? So thankfully, there is a, a, a change where Jesus reconciled and he died on the cross to brought us onto this map. And that's the only way for us to be on the map. And that's what Paul was trying to say. Once we were the enemy of God, but now we have been reconciled by Jesus. Once we were, just think of it like a, a map as a, a king's palace. Once we were unfit. Once we were, I don't know, use a, use, use a term like a beggar. You know, someone who was poor, probably smelly, um, dirty. Uh, I don't want to say disgusting, but we were just, 
in his eyes, in the eyes of God, we were not worthy. So we were not able to be in the king's palace. But suddenly, we have been transported into the king's palace onto this map. It's nothing that we have done, right? So suddenly, someone had vouched for us to say, hey, they can come in. So suddenly, we get to come into the king's palace. We got a nice bath. We got cleansed, nice clothing, probably had perfume, cologne, and definitely had some deodorant on. So that's what it means to say, but now he has reconciled us. We did not do anything at all. So he took the initiative. God took the initiative. Jesus has done all the work in terms of to clean us up. Like I said, you know, nice clothes, nice bathing. We didn't do anything. We just accepted the gift. Received the gift because someone just vouched for us through God's amazing grace. That's, so Paul was kind of repeating the, the verse from Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 13, where, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. He has done all that because he wants to present us. So as we move on to the next verse, as he wants to present us before all creations, the whole universe, in that status. He wants to present us in, so that we can present us in the status of holy, without blemish, and free of accusations, meaning the lies that people try to tell us about who we are, what we should be, what we have to be, how we're supposed to live and other things that we have done wrong, and other mistakes that we have made. It is as, as if to say before all creation, look at my children. So he invites us in, adopts us as his children, and then wants to brag about us before all creation. That's pretty amazing. We were enemies. Think about that. We were enemies. But he went to the cross. He gave it all the song that we were singing. He gave it all so he, we can be reconciled. And then he wants to brag about us in front of all creations. That is his desire. That speaks to how he loves us, how much he loves us, and how much he wants to show us off. I think it's easier when you have kids to understand this. Like, you know, your kids, your kids are always the best kids, right? Your kids are always the most beautiful, the most looking, the best thing. They can't do anything wrong. And that's what God is wanting to present us before everyone else. Look at these kids. My kids, they are holy, without blemish, and free from accusations. That's why he's, our Father sent Jesus to the cross to do, so we can be reconciled with him. So anyway, so through Jesus' death, the enmity, you know this word enmity keep coming up as I'm studying for this verse. So the state of being hostile toward one to an, uh, one to another. So God and us, us and God. And that's been completely removed. So that was Jesus' intention is to rescue us and to present us before our creation. And the next verse. I have to admit, it's a little bit challenging for me when I was reading this. Because as I was reading through it the first time, right, he wants to present us holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. If. If sounds like a very conditional. If. Like, what do you mean, if? Wait, I thought I have salvation. I thought I have eternal life. What is this if? What is this if doing here? Because no matter what translation you look at, the if is still there. So as I'm, as I'm reading this through, and I can totally understand what it, and as I study it, 
it can very easily be misunderstood when we don't know the heart of who God is. And if we don't have relationship with him, we can misunderstand, misunderstand the word if. And what we need to do is we need to look at the whole Bible so we know who God is. So if a verse comes up and it seems to contradict what he's trying to say, we need to look at the whole Bible and try to study and see what is he trying to say. And, and the danger is if we don't have relationship with I think I said that, right? If we don't have relationship with him, we may misunderstand what he's trying to say. So, but I know, we know that Paul did not imply. He did not imply that we could lose our salvation because we can see that elsewhere in Scripture. If we read through this and we don't know who God is, you, we may get the wrong impression that we will lose our salvation if we don't do other things that God has called us to do. But Paul did not imply that. And, and what we can do is we can look at the whole Bible and see what else God is saying throughout scriptures. And that should be a common practice for us to always do when we see something that's contradicting to what we know of God. We need to study the whole Bible. So I know that Paul did not imply that we could lose our salvation because I've listed, there are many verses, but I'm going to list a few just for us to know. Actually, I don't know if I had them on the slides or not, but I'll read them to you guys. First one's from John 10, verse 28. I give them eternal life, and they should never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. No one means no one, period. In Hebrews 8, uh, chapter 8, verse 12, for I will forgive the wickedness and will remember the sins no more. Remember the sins no more as in, I don't remember what they were like before. As I don't remember they were beggars, that they were poor, they were outside the palace. I don't remember that. All I know is they are my kids. They are my children who I, whom I love. That's what it means. And also, from Romans 8, verse 38 and 39, and actually, it's amazing that it came through during worship, during the contribution about God's love. And I'll read to you guys. I love these two verses. I actually would be happy to use these two verses every single week and study these verses. Romans 8, verse 38 and 39. I know you guys know this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So just using these three verses, we know that Paul did not imply that we would lose our salvation if, if we don't do what he was saying in the, in the preceding word, uh, verse right there. Um, so the word if, again, I want to reestablish that it does not speak to us losing our salvation, right? If we don't do a certain things. It speak, the word if speaks to our inheritance. That's an important there's a very important distinction right there. It speaks to our inheritance that has been reserved for us. Our salvation is not based on what we do. Paul is speaking about our inheritance. Our salvation is based on our faith in Jesus, and that's it. So once we receive salvation, there's nothing that can take our salvation away. So this word, if, again, speak to us being presented before God, before all creation holy, without blemish, and free from accusation, to receive our inheritance. So going back to the illustration that I was using earlier about um, we are now being transported into the king's palace. We, before we were dirty, smelly, I think I got that point across, right? So now 
we're dressed well, we smell nice, we look good, we look proper. So we have been accepted, right? We passed through the king's guard, we got entered the palace, now we're inside the palace. We already have eternal life. We have already been given the status of holy, without blemish, and free from accusation. It is time for us to enter the king's court to receive the inheritance that we don't deserve, to receive the inheritance that God wants to give us that's been reserved for us, has been set aside for us. Now it's time for us to step into the king's court. As in, just think of it like we're inside the king's palace. Now it's time for us to step before the king so he can present us to all of creation. So that word, if, is about what? About us wanting to step into the king's court to receive our inheritance as it has already been set aside for us. And how do we do that? Continue in our faith. That means grow and strengthen in our faith. Remain established in our faith. That means remain established, the foundation that we live on, the foundation of who Jesus is. Remain firm in our faith. That means don't be swayed or influenced or distracted. And then, number four, do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. So when we accomplish the first three, remain firm, established, we will stay on path of what the gospel is. So that if, so what Paul is trying to say is, there's an inheritance waiting for you. Step before God. And the way to do that is these four things. Continue in our faith. Remain firm and established in our faith. And do not move from the gospel that we know and believe in. So this gospel, which Colossians and all of us have heard, the same gospel that's been proclaimed 2,000 years ago and is still being proclaimed today, the good news has been that, that we have been brought into the king's palace. God wants to present us. He has inheritance set out for us. We just need to step in front of him to receive the inheritance and that stepping in front of us undeservedly, I didn't want to add, that we don't deserve any of this, but he's setting it aside for us. If we continue in our faith. It's still challenging, isn't it? Our faith is in Jesus, however, do we want to receive the inheritance that God has set aside for us? It's already been given to us. We have it. It's waiting for us. If we continue in our faith, remain firm and established, and do not move from the hope that is held out by the gospel. This is what Paul meant when he said, if. So think of it as an encouragement for us to step into the king's court to receive our inheritance. He's able to say that because the hope of the gospel is what Paul became the servants to, right? If you go to the next verse, because Paul obediently, freely, and willingly became a servant to the gospel. This is from verse 23, right? So if you have verse 23 up, I highlighted servant. Servant means exactly just that, servant. There's no deeper meaning. Servant is serving someone. That's what Paul became the servant to. That's why we serve. That's why we serve because of the gospel. Paul became the servant because of his revelation of the gospel, through his understanding of the gospel. 
he was so grateful, so grateful of the gospel that he became a servant to it. It is the same as, as when someone saved your life, and you're so grateful for your Savior that you pledge your life to that Savior, right? Just thinking of it, like, I, I like watching kung fu movies and fighting movies, right? I know Vanessa's shaking my head. She loves it when I watch it, those movies. Just think of it like old movies, like the samurai movies, you know, when someone saved your life, you show up and say, I belong to you now. I pledge my life to you. That's what Paul is saying. Uh, some of you may not have an idea what I'm talking about, but, but you, should, you should watch more martial arts movies, by the way. Um, but that's what Paul is trying to say. It's like, and, and because he has such a deep understanding and revelation of, of the gospel, and he's so, so grateful, so grateful to the life that he had now versus the life that he was living before, that he became a servant to it, willingly. The life that he used to have, which the life that we used to have before Jesus, is not knowing what tomorrow holds, right? Before Jesus, we're not knowing what's going to happen to us when we die. We may guess. We can guess many things, but we don't really know what's going to happen. But with Jesus and Scripture, we know what's going to happen. And before Jesus, we most likely didn't realize this, but we were living by other people's expectations, by the pressure that's been put on us, that society has expected of us. That's what we were living in and living by and living through. But now because of Jesus, we have freedom. We can be free and live the life that we were meant to be and be who we are, be the people that God has created for us to be. So we don't have to be under expectations of intentionally or unintentionally by, I don't know, by our parents, by, by well-meaning people, our teachers, our mentors, our professors, our co-workers, our bosses, and what have you. The life that we have now is only for Jesus. It's not for other people. That's what Paul is trying to say. It's like he's been saved from the life in the past. Now, he's so grateful that he is pledging his life as a servant to the gospel. So it's the same with us, that we've been saved from that life. Now, we are servants to the gospel. Paul became a servant, like I said, because of his understanding of what he was saved from and what he was saved into. Actually, more importantly, what he was saved into. He was so grateful of what he, the life that he was saved into that he became a servant for it. You would think that you would celebrate and go out and do lots of fun things. Right? But because he understood the life that he was being saved into, and he understood the inheritance that were waiting for him, for us, that he became a servant for the gospel. That is the desire that I have for us, for Vanessa and I. We talked about this. It's for us as a family, because we, we always want to do things as a family. We want to go in the same direction as a family. It's for us. I'm trusting that's a desire for us to realize and appreciate and so grateful for the gospel, that we can say that we are servants to the gospel. And that's my desire is for all of us here at Restoration to be able to say we are servants to the gospel. Yes, we can brag about the Father that we have, but in terms of the way that we live, that we are servants for the gospel. I'm trusting that this is for everyone also. And like I said, 
that we will learn more about who Jesus, what he has done for us, and the kingdom of God that we have brought into. How before, it doesn't matter what we were trying to do, no matter how smart we are, how strong we are, or how much we plan, or how many years we've been planning to get into this kingdom of God, you could never, ever get in. But because of Jesus, he died on the cross for us. He brought reconciliation. It's just like the, the illustration I was trying to use. Suddenly now we are in the map, on the map, in the kingdom of God, in the king's palace. There's an inheritance waiting for us and for us to step into it, walk into it and receive it. That's just from just pressing on, pressing into the faith that we have. Stay firm and established in the faith that we know and have. And do not move. Do not move. And that's an encouragement for all of us, is do not move from the gospel. Um, I want to end with that, which is to share that that's a desire for all of us, and that's a desire for our heart, because we, we, we don't, we, all of us, we don't do this just so we can feel good about ourselves. We do this because we have a revelation of who God is. So we want to do this, just like Paul said. He willingly, freely, obediently became the servant. And that's what we want to do. And for us to be able to declare that we are servants for the gospel. We continue in the faith. We help firm and we stay established in the faith. And we do not move from the hope that's being held out by the gospel. That's our desire, and that's the things that we always want to do at Restoration. And I share a little bit about our vision, as is to glorify Jesus. And, and for some of you may know, vision meaning the destination of what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to get to. Some people have asked me this, well, what is your mission statement? The mission statement, for those of you who may or may not know, mission statement is the reason for your existence. And when I say, it's the same thing. Our vision statement and our vision statement it's the same thing. It's, it's a little bit confusing, but we exist because of Jesus. That's why we exist. And what we're going to is so that we can glorify Jesus. We want to glorify Jesus always, all the time. And we can say that we are your servant. We're here to make sure that you are lifted up. That's, um, that's what I have for you guys, and I know that's what we have for verse 21 and 23. I wanted to go further. I wanted to finish up this chapter, but I know that uh, Vanessa, not to put pressure on you, honey, but uh, for next week, she's going to bring it. Um, I just want to end and, and just pray for, for that over us as a church, just to pray over us so that we can declare and say that we are servants for the gospel, just for us to have such an understanding, an appreciation, and a gratefulness for the life that we have now that we can say that we are the servant. We are servants for the gospel. Okay, so why don't we close our eyes? I'll pray that over us. And then I'll um, hand it over to uh, Gavin so he can close the meeting. Father, we just want to thank you for you, God. We just want to thank you for who you are. Just thank you for what you have done. Just as the song that we were singing earlier, just thank you for your reckless love, Lord. That you will kick down the walls, you will find us. Leave the 99s and go and find us. No mountains that you will not come over. No doors that you will not kick down. No places that you will not search to find us. So then we can be brought into this kingdom of light. And we're so thankful for that, Lord. 
And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come and strengthen us to help us to be able to, to be strong and continue in our faith. Give us strength and conviction to stay firm, remain established in our faith, our faith in you, Lord Jesus. And also to do not move from the hope of who you are. I just pray for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I just pray, Holy Spirit, lead us through. Allow us to get past this word, if, so we can step before you and receive the inheritances that you have for each and every one of us. In the name of Jesus, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord. If I can humbly declare and speak this over everyone here at Restoration, even the kids, the people at Restoration, those who are you, those you are adding to restoration, that we can all stand up and say that we are holy in your sight, that we are without blemish, and that we are free from accusation, that we're stepping before your, your presence, that we can be presented before all of creation and receive the incredible, undeserved inheritance that you have for us. I just ask that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, just strengthen us. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen.